I'm Jason. On my podcast, What Works, I interview authors, educators, executives, and people who work to change the world. I walk for a moment on their journey and learn from them. For me, that's What Works. Welcome to What Works. Today, I've got Sam Feeney, author of Why Aren't You Thriving? A Man's Guide to Asking Tough Questions and Getting Better in Seven Core Areas. Sam is an author, a speaker, and a coach who is passionate about helping men live more effectively so they can create a bigger impact on their families, communities, and the world. Sam, welcome to What Works. Thanks, Jason. I'm excited to be here. Well, this is a fascinating concept, I think, because you know we're getting off the heels of COVID, and so many people, it seemed, maybe regressed uh, personally, interpersonally, mm-hmm. uh, socially. And you've got this word thrive. Why aren't you thriving? A man's guide to asking tough questions and getting better in seven core areas. Thriving. Why is this such a topic for you? Well, it really comes back to a story that I share in the introduction of uh, the book. And I talk about getting to good enough. And uh, uh, my wife, actually, we just talked about this the other day. She doesn't actually remember this conversation, but I remember it big time. And uh, she said, uh, we were married probably about four or five years. And she said, I don't mean anything by this. I don't mean this in a bad way, but is this as good as it gets? And her question was, having seen her parents kind of struggle and, and mine same way, she said, I really just thought it was going to take longer because we are, we had a, a, a nice house. I had a good job. You know, we had just had our first uh, uh, and like we kind of had checked a lot of boxes and she's like, okay, like, I want to know if this is where we're going. And, and in that moment, it was kind of a, a scary moment for me because having reached a point that I did think was going to be kind of harder, I looked ahead and I, I, I figured I could probably pretty accurately predict the next four decades of my life. And that was not an inspiring <laughs> picture. I mean, it was good. It was nice. Like, you know, like if you're, if your ceilings higher, or if you're sorry, if your floor is higher than other people's ceilings, that's a great place to be. Like we, we were blessed, had a group, but I also knew, man, we've, there's gotta be more. So good enough. Wasn't good enough. There's gotta be more. And that, that just came to this question of thriving, uh, which is 100% overused uh, uh, these days. But for me, it was a picture of um, being able to be uh, fruitful, being able to be abundant, generous, uh, you know, really kind of getting what, what Thoreau called, he was sucking the marrow out of life, you know, <laughs> trying to get, trying to get all there is because that was the, you know, he even says like, I don't, I didn't want to come to the end of life and realize that I had not uh, experienced all that there was, I had not fully lived. And so that just, it was a, a wake up call of there's gotta be a higher level to play at. And, uh, and not in a 10 X way. Like I'm not, it's, it's not all outcomes. Um, but it was something that was a kind of a challenge to my status quo early in our marriage, which I was, was very grateful for. Now, before she asked you that question, which has got to be an awfully challenging question to, you know, as a man and a husband to be asked, you know, like, <laughs> is are we here? Did we arrive? <laughs> like, is, is this it? This is the beach. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you have you have you lived kind of under that same sort of pressure uh, before to to excel beyond where you're at today, or was that the wake up call? No, I, I no, that was that was actually, I mean, going through. Uh, my formative years, middle school, high school, uh, looking at 
careers that I gravitated toward, lifestyles that I was interested in. It was definitely about uh, being able to achieve at a higher level. Um, and coming from a small town, that wasn't very difficult uh, early on, uh, <laughs> just because, I mean, you're there's not as much competition. Uh, and so, uh, no, I had, and I think uh, that was a perfect time for me to have that question posed because it was a little bit of a, you know, just on, you know, forward progress, you know, forward momentum and, and natural talents. I had gotten to a place that was pretty good. Um, and so to, to be able to take things to uh, a higher level or a deeper level, however you want to think of it was going to require some work. And that was something I wasn't very accustomed to. I got kind of coasted. And so um, I, I, I didn't see it as a challenge then in terms of like an offense, uh, but it, it really just got the wheels turning and, and looking around like there's there are other people who are knocking it out of the park in a lot of different ways, subtle, some subtle and, and some obvious, just trying to kind of have a lens for that as I went through my life for another 10 years before I really even did anything with it. I was just kind of kicking that question around uh, every every month or so. Yeah, it seems that... Uh, uh... A question like that ha- takes time to settle. It's it's a it is a perhaps a, a challenging question, right? A challenge that we mm-hmm. might, might want to take on, but it also comes with its own resistance. It seems because it's am I good? Yes. Am am I bigger than this? Can I create more than this? And especially when you have someone that you care about looking back at you, you know, and I've you know you talk about it's not a judgmental way to say, hey, is this it? But like anybody who I think like you talk about looks at, you know, the next four decades of their experience going just uh, like every, groundhog day. Yes. Repeat. Oh my gosh. That was one of this one. I don't love horror movies, but that is a horror <laughs> movie <laughs> to me to have that. <laughs> so what was that 10 years like then for you between, between being challenged by this question and then putting it mm-hmm. on repeat, obviously letting some things probably condense out of, you know, the atmosphere of thoughts. What were, what, what were your, what were your moments like as you, as you thought about how am I going to change this trajectory? Well, I got a lot more serious about, uh, about learning and about, you know, learning in general outwardly, but learning inwardly as well. I read a ton um, and try to try to become more of a student of people who were thriving. Uh, I didn't, I didn't necessarily, I've gotten a lot clearer on this, uh, but I didn't necessarily have a particular area that was important to me it, to do that. I just, I didn't want to miss out on there being something that, that I really could have experienced at a higher level. Um, and so, and that's what I even talk about a little bit in the book is there's these seven core areas um, starting somewhere creates a greater likelihood that you'll, you'll be able to experience growth in another area as well. And so really just kind of expanding my world, uh, grew up, um, without a, a lot of money with, you know, some very limited experiences. Um, and so, uh, trying to expand that, uh, a lot through my own experiences, but through reading and, and just, you know, just trying to be more of a student of life. Um, and, uh, that, that filled a bunch of time, had a, had a bunch more kids. <laughs> so I was definitely busy. Uh, with, you know, with all the things that we had uh, at that point of our life. Um, and so uh, it probably wasn't until about three years ago when I really got 
kind of laser focused on uh, on what I write about in the book. Now, when you were when you were uh, pondering this question, as it's coming back around to you, probably in some sort of haunting way, I can only imagine you know being a, being a guy and and understanding my the relationships that I have had and and have around me. Um, did you include your wife in this? thought process did you verbalize any of this or in or how or how did you make it known that you were that, that this question was haunting you or or did you uh i didn't and i don't know actually consciously that it that it was i, I think it was something that looking back i could see that that was kind of the prod that would lead me in a particular direction explore this avenue or whatever uh and it wasn't something that we really talked about other than to start to build a list of what are some ways that we could be it's experiencing life more fully or or you know or doing better in uh in terms of you know kind of this back and forth between experience and agency but uh we didn't we didn't really talk about it very much um and i think that was probably because she, she was okay with whatever answer i gave to is this as good as it gets like she's she's content like she you know, she's, she was great with whatever, uh, but I was not. And so um, I don't think that was something that really drew her attention as much as it did for me. So I'm curious then fast forward to when you really start to work on this. I know that one thing you talk about is you started a podcast where you interviewed folks to get their input uh, in these seven different core areas. And we should probably touch on those core areas as well in a little bit, but I'm, I'm curious in this, one of the things that men struggle with and I think to all of us, you know, even women to some degree, uh, struggle with opening up. I think about some of these questions, you know, what am I doing with my life and is it going to work mm -hmm. out? Am I mm -hmm. even capable of achieving this? Uh, because I think some people think that when they expose that side of their thought process, this big dreaming side, they might get met with resistance in ways that that feels like disconnection. Uh, and that happens, you know, with intimate partners and it's to our detriment probably. Um but when when you started to interview these folks, did you did you find that those folks had any other turning point within themselves, mm. and how did they deal with that with their intimate partners? Yeah, and I, I I didn't dive into that very much. I did ask I asked every guest the same five questions, and one of those was when weren't you thriving in this particular mm. area? And it was often because there was something that was blocking typically internally uh, something they were trying to compensate for from their childhood that they, you know, that, that they were not then allowing, you know, there, there's sometimes where the, they were the, the crimp in the hourglass. Like they were, they were jamming things up for themselves uh, instead of creating flows and rhythms in their lives that would allow things to, to happen beyond what they could control. And I think that's a big part of it probably was, um, going through this journey and hearing time and time again, these different themes that come through. And one of them was this idea that when I give up trying to manufacture everything, then I get something that's bigger than what I could have done on my own. And which was from a lot of people, myself included, is I want that. Like I want something that's, that's bigger than what I can make it because I know that I'm limited. Uh, and I think some of that shows up in uh, in a relationship or it's manifested in a relationship where it's parallel paths uh, and superficial conversations about kid and work and all that. But 
not journeying together. Uh, and so uh, that is something certainly that uh, I continue to work on because uh, I'm usually just, I'm going to put my head down and go in this direction and look up every once in a while and see if anybody's coming with me. Um, <laughs> that's, that, that's not a, you know, not looking around for permission or trying to fill a car before I'm going to go on a road trip. I'm just off and running. Yeah. Well, it seems everybody needs to be on a journey of some sort. And when we mm -hmm. don't find ourselves on a journey, we begin to, uh, you know, whatever the opposite of thrive is. Yeah. Um, I, oh, I like the word back. atrophy personally. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's, because it, it speaks to a potential. It just speaks to something that could have been used, but has lain dormant. Mm. I like that. Yeah. There's a, there's a quote that I really appreciate. And it's meant a lot to me uh, by Carolyn McHugh it says, most of us don't take up nearly the space the universe intended for us. <laughs> And I find that most most people who excel and thrive, like you're talking about, is is sort of walking, accepting this idea that I can walk into a space that is bigger than what I may have originally intended for myself. Uh, and and nobody's really stopping me. In fact, mm -hmm. many times where people around us are waiting for us to take the reins of that. Is that what you have found in your experience? Sure. And, and what I loved about I mean, how I think about with the book is in effect, a crowdsourcing of personal growth, because I know I don't have all the answers. I wanted to kind of see, am I the only one who thinks like this? Can I get some, some validation for this? Uh, but time and again, I was so impressed by people's stories and hearing them either take the next step or take a step that was totally off of what a, a the trajectory that they were on and find such surprising, uh, I don't know, I think, I don't think joy is too strong a word because it's, it was mixed with challenge as well, but uh, this, just this appreciation for, man, I'm glad I did this. Um, and, um, I, if I think about kind of my take on things, I would much rather, I would much rather sin by commission than omission. I'd rather try and mess up than sit back and, and not have, given that a shot and not have discovered whether or not, uh, there was, there was fruit at the end of that, uh, at the end of that journey. So if I'm understanding this correctly, now you have, you've always been a driven guy. You, uh, then find yourself in, in a great relationship, all the trappings, everything's fine. Everything's great. Everybody's happy. Uh, then you come to this, you get this question of, hey, is this it? Are we done? <laughs> Are we done? And then, <laughs> and that sort of sends you into like, oh no, wait a second here. Where am I, where am I actually headed? Takes you about a decade to figure this out and, and sort it through. And then you start to, then you start to kind of sprint towards whatever you think is next. One of which those things is that you identified these seven core areas yeah. of, of thriving. So you identify the seven core areas of thriving and then you started interviewing folks. Is that That's true? right? Yeah. Okay. So yeah, we walk had, us walk us through yeah, that seven core areas of thriving and how you came up with those, and then that process of research I think is so important for you know folks who listen to this podcast. They're putting together their plans and their concepts, their ideas, and mm -hmm. research and defining figuring out who to research with mm -hmm. is a huge. Uh, it's a huge issue that a lot of people have a lot of trouble with. So what's that process like for you? Sure. Yeah. Well, we started. Uh, this is something that probably around that same time, this is, you know, this is probably 20 years ago, pushing 20 years ago. Uh, and 
we that math isn't good but it's something like that it's a long time ago <laughs> we uh started making a list of like my wife and i all the different ways we could thrive one could thrive and what like what would this look like da, da, da. and then uh over time i kind of just kept trying to say okay this could fit under this category how can i kind of consolidate this list because one of the things um uh, like i love i don't know if, if you've ever taken gallup's strengths uh strengths finder or strengths explorer i love the the assessment it's 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 magic uh, behind that computer screen of, of coming together. But there are 34 strengths. And that's a lot to wrap your mind around, you know, even learning, well, okay, well, now I have to figure all these things out. So I, I wanted to get as tight a list as I could so that it was palatable. It, it was kind of easily understood. And so, uh, and I came up with a metaphor to kind of match what this looked like just to help or most of us are more visual than we are anything else. So, um, so the seven core areas are their faith, identity, mission, career, health, relationships, and finances. And so the metaphor I use for this, I think will help, especially if you're listening to this, not watching is, uh, the idea is that the, that your, your faith and your identity are the roots of a tree. Mm-hmm. And then your career, your health, your relationships, and your finances are the fruit of the tree. And your mission is the trunk that connects connects the unseen roots to the seen fruit in your life. Um, and so I thought more and more about this. And for my my initial reaction to I want to get better in life was to focus on career and have career aspirations. And I realized that I was really just polishing the apple um, if it, if I didn't like what was what I was seeing, rather than fertilizing the roots and digging into that. And so that just, that continued that journey of uh, now, I now that I knew where really where I wanted to focus, it actually gave me a great lens to go find people to ask because I could reach out to my network. Uh, I did some cold emails and got responses that I did, you know, yeses I didn't expect. Um, and because I knew I was very specific about what I was looking for. I'm looking for somebody who can who has had success in this particular area, who can speak to it. Um, and my goal was that they also would have had a podcast book or course, because as you and I have talked about before, have they done the work <laughs> to, to process that, you know, really what was happening. And so it became, it was a very fruitful season. I did 39 interviews in about two and a half months and, uh, and just really got to meet a ton of great people who uh, really, validated that that there was something here but also just encouraged me that although I maybe hadn't met them before they maybe maybe what they were doing wasn't necessarily tangential to what I was doing it was just a like a, a hurrah that somebody else was running a race you know somebody else was, was trying to push um and and to push themselves because it was gonna make an impact or you know leave a legacy what was something that was common to all of these folks who you've who you found out were thriving in each of these core areas? Almost all of them had around them a, a community. Um, and I, I will say I'm, I'm very grateful for the time in which we live because that community doesn't have to share your zip code. Uh, but they had people around them to kind of, you know, sand off the rough edges or to, to kind of keep them pointed in the right direction. Uh, and that was a, that was something that I saw in them that I ended up, I went into this question. I went into this book, why aren't you thriving? Not knowing the answer. I I wasn't, my face isn't on the front cover. Like I'm not the guru. Okay. <laughs> and 
I, and I didn't want to put myself out to be, I was just, I'm, I'm seeking these, the answer to this question. Uh, and genuinely asking the questions and wanting to know what the answers were, especially in particular areas where actually I'm really bad <laughs> of the seven right. core areas. I was gen I was like, literally, I don't know what the answer to this. Please tell me. Um, not, you know, we'll humor each other and pretend like this isn't scripted, but, uh, but getting to, I, I found, I got to the end and I got three answers on why in particular men aren't thriving. And one of them was this absence of actual community. Mm. Uh, and so that was something that, that I did see though, as uh, common among almost all of the people that I communicated with was that they had people to rub up against and, and, you know, walk with them through uh, all sorts of different things in their lives. Yeah. That I recalls to my mind, a conversation I was having recently uh, with someone and they were going through some relationship struggles and the comment that she had made regarding uh, her husband was that he has really no friends. There's nobody he hangs out with. And, and she's, you know, wondering why he has been disengaged. And then all of a sudden, you know, when, when the relationship's on the rocks, he wants to engage, but he's lacking some necessary tools. Uh, and my, you know, my admonition to her was you've got, you've got to encourage him and maybe even help, help him find a community of people mm -hmm. because these, these tools that you're, you know, you're, you're an educated guy, this, you know, you, you came from education, uh, and have a background, uh, that, uh, that is like you talk about, you know, you're blessed. Um, so you're, you're not a dummy. And yet you get to these situations in life where you're just like, I don't know what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. I don't know. What do I do now? Where, where am I at? And it's so important to have people around us, I think, to bounce ideas off of and to learn from. And that's a, in my experience, that has to be an active thing. Yes. People don't just, I mean, once in a while people cross our paths, but even then we have to push into it and say, okay, you know, I'm going to take this next step to get to know you because I feel like you might have something that I could benefit from and vice versa. Mm -hmm. What, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I think it's totally true. I remember probably about three years ago, I just, in a moment of reflection and, and most of my reflection is, is unplanned. <laughs> so it wasn't, you know, that not this great discipline of mine, but I was thinking about all getting to a point. I was getting to a point in a project where I knew I was going to have to ask for help. I'd kind of reached the end of myself, which is a great place to be because then as we've talked about before, bigger things can take over. And I, and then I saw, I stopped and looked back and I thought, isn't it almost always the case that if I'm working on something that's important enough to, to see to the end, I'm going to ask for help because I'm not going to be able to do it on my own. Why don't I just start asking for help at the beginning of the project and, and have more fun and include people in this? Uh, because it, it is a difficult spot for a lot of guys is for the most part, we run with people who are sort of like us. And so for the most part, you know, uh, everything can kind of remain surface level and that's fine. And then something happens and, uh, we don't have where we don't either have the, the practice of it, or it's, it's not something that's happened in this particular relationship. So to ask for help is totally foreign. It's totally new. And so we often, and I would even say, this is something that potentially has been handed down in sort of this American ethos of, bootstrapping, doing it yourself, you know, the self-made man, which does not exist, um, to be able to say, well, I, 
I, I guess I should be able to figure out this out on my own. Um, and so that's why I, for me, the, the big five, five big questions I'd asked every guest. What, the second one was when weren't you thriving? Mm. And, and just to normalize this, because I think so much we get this picture of, you know, this is the, this is the model we're to follow never does anything wrong you know, always has all the answers is a source of wisdom for everyone around him. And I mean, I, I, my guests were really good at maybe two of the seven areas. <laughs> and I thought that's a, that's a win <laughs> right there. Like we, it was, it was very much of this awareness of, um, I think we can thrive in all seven areas, but I think it will be, um, a process of growth and development and a ton of help from other people. Yeah. That my experience is is very similar to yours, uh, in that there's a there are a handful of things I'm really great at, and then there are really handful of things I'm that's I'm a disaster at. Mm-hmm. And when I came to that when I came to that acceptance, I had the realization. But when I came to the acceptance, like like you talk about, you can create so much, you can create just so much on your own. But when you give up this idea that I that I have to do all the rest of yes. this stuff, and you start you start surrounding yourself intentionally. Uh, and sometimes letting, you know, the universe bring those people to you, because I think that happens, mm-hmm. uh, you intentionally accept those people into your space. Now, all of a sudden, this idea of this life is bigger than me. And now I now I'm refreshed on my journey. I now see mm-hmm. further than I did before. I now have more energy than I did before. And now I know what steps to take to get to where I want to go. That's it seems that's what your book is desiring yes. to help people do for themselves. You talk about it being a choose your own adventure. Now, these five big questions that you uh, ask these other folks, are these questions that you encourage your readers to, to ask as they're, as they're setting up people around them or learning? I I did not. What I did in the way I set it up was uh, the introduction tells a story of getting to good enough and, and just having a little bit of a check of, you know, where you are, you know, um, I would, what I would say is like, and one reason in particular that I wasn't offended by what my wife said is because I've always held that, if you don't like what the mirror, what you see in the mirror, it's not the mirror's fault. It's your fault. And so like, you can't get mad at the mirror. You just, that's just be, what's being reflected back to you. And so I didn't see that question as condemning. It was just a, Hey, here's a snapshot. Okay, great. Like I I can choose to respond however I want to that. But I think when I, how I set up the book was very intentional because I wanted it to be as helpful as possible. And I've read a ton of books and I've gotten a lot of great stuff, but I had to sift a fair amount. And I I wanted to like, let's get down to business. Let's get action. So um, what I did was at the end of the introduction, uh, there's, an, there's an invitation to take an assessment that I created. And it's just called the Am I Thriving Assessment. You take it and it gives, it gives back to you the areas where you're doing great and the areas where maybe there's some need for improvement. And the encouragement in the book is skip to the chapter that you want to work on. Go, don't, I, I think the note is, I don't want you to read this whole book. <laughs> I want you to buy the whole thing. I just don't want you to read it. Um, uh, be, being able to uh, find, hey, you know what? I really just need to work on my, based on this guy's assessment, I need to work on my identity and my health. Okay. If I get just help in those two areas, man, that the book has been a win. Um, and I think it's been, you know, for me, it's it's been fulfilling, but it's also been a win for that person to say, this help this book helps me helped me in two different areas that I was probably intentionally ignoring, but it brought it to the surface and it helped me do that. And then I link to on the accompanying webpage for the book, the, the resources page, I link to all of those interviews because I want I want you to go get 
the answers from the sources that I got them from. Um, so that that's the choose your own adventure part. Uh, if you want to read it straight through, awesome. But I'd love it if you took the assessment and read the chapter or two that you need to focus on and then uh, and then get better. I'm curious, you know, since so much of this journey is with other folks, when it comes time to have some of these uh, tough questions be asked, uh, sometimes people need coaching uh, to figure out how to allow those questions like you talked about to not mm-hmm. be offensive, but really just go, well, if somebody else is seeing this, this must be someone else's reality that that they see. Doesn't mean it's right. doesn't mean it's uh, factual. It's just that that is their belief at the time. Great. Uh, so accepting the asking of tough questions and then coming to the tough answers to those tough questions is it something that you that you approach in that in the book, uh, or where does a person go to for resources for working with the people that are around them? You know, you didn't do this in a vacuum. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you, you talk about, Hey, I'm on this journey and look, once in a while I look around, wonder if anybody else is with me. Um, too often people look around and no one else is. How do you, right. how do you mitigate that? Yeah, absolutely. And, and the, for in the results for the assessment, there are recommendations based on the, based on the particular, uh, answers that you get, Hey, this is going to be one that, and, and the whole premise behind it is I, I think most people are doing really well in one, two, maybe three areas. But I would, the, the thing I was playing around with, and I and I believe to be true, is that the areas that they were not spending as much time and are not doing as well in, not only need to be addressed because they are they feed into parts of who we are as a whole person. Uh, and but at the same time, they might be the the anchor that's holding back that person from doing even better in the areas where they're already doing well, you know, to have that, it's almost a counterbalance that you didn't realize was there a counterweight. And so, um, so in, in those recommendations, I tried to do recommendations for there. If you say, Hey, you know, I just listened to this interview uh, with uh, Dr. Andy Garrett on identity. Really love that. Every, every link leads to his stuff. Like I wanted to just be able to promote that. Um, and then I'm, you know, I, I do coaching as well and I'm great at holding up mirrors for people. So, <laughs> you know, I can, I can help as I um as they want. Uh, and we're working on a couple of different community uh, options as well, just to have guys like having guys having that, that like-mindedness just as a, Oh, all right. I'm not crazy. It's okay to ask these questions. Uh, it's, it's nice to have that for sure. Have you found that when people think of their strengths or their weaknesses, they uh, are not cognizant of how weak mm. they are, perhaps in some areas? Interesting. It's funny because I learned this from uh, my coach when I got my coaching certification. Uh, he talked about uh, the comparison trap, and he talked about it in the idea of if you wanted, and, and this is sometimes I think this alludes actually to a question you you asked earlier about, all right, I want to make a change. I want to do something different. Um, and he talks about Maryland crabs uh, that are kept in a bucket or kept in a basket without a lid, because if one of the crabs attempts to climb the size of the basket, which is very capable of doing to climb out, the other crabs will grab them and pull them back in. And so the comparison trap that uh, Mitch Matthews talks about is is definitely an important one to be aware of in that. But I think at the same time, I think we actually do a comparison trap the other way, which is we look up and we think, ah, I could never be as good as that guy. 
So it's not an ascension problem. It's a, I'm going to, I'm going to self limit and, and stay down. And so I think how you see your strengths is going to be through one of those lenses, either what I could have done, which was, Hey, we're doing pretty well. I mean, look at, look around, like, you know, we're 80, 85% of, of people, you know, where our life is and all this stuff, we're probably fine. I could have gotten easy on that or said, well, who am I to think that I can aspire to more? I'm going to stay here and stay comfortable. So I, I don't think there's a one, an I think it's, there's one of two answers to that and how we see our strengths. And a lot of that does come with uh, how we see our identity as well. And one of the reasons why I think mission is my favorite of the seven core areas is because mission will make you do stuff that's different than you feel comfortable doing because it's, it's forcing, it's bigger than you. It's calling to you and pulling you out of that. Uh, so uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting. People work through their, their strengths, uh, be able to see, that's what a good coach does. See things you can't see for your, uh, for them. Um, and sometimes it's, Hey, you're being a jerk. And sometimes it's, you're capable of a lot more than you realize. So either way, those are important messages people need to <laughs> need to hear. Yeah. I, uh, saying I really appreciate is, uh, if you want better answers, ask better questions. And yes. I think people are extraordinarily bad at asking themselves questions and, and have a high degree of pushback, I think, or resistance to other people asking probing questions of them. Mm -hmm. uh, because I, I think sometimes we see, and perhaps this is your experience as well, we see things in us that we're, we are well aware of, and yet we've, we have put it into the, uh, I will manage that and get around to it at some time mm -hmm. uh, list. <laughs> when yes. in fact, you know, people around us might be looking at that going, this is re becoming rather urgent. And you need to attend to this now. Uh, I would think that through this assessment process, looking at these seven core areas, and I really like how you've done this idea of, you know, looking at uh, roots and then a tree and then the, you know, the trunk of the tree holding the whole thing together. And then the fruit, the, the roots are being fed by something, but the evidence of that is on the fruit and everybody else around us sees the fruit. Right. Many times I think we we might misinterpret. We think we're putting out certain fruit and we are in fact not. Correct. And I think what we we can short circuit some of these things to say, I'm I'm hyper focused on producing fruit right now, not remembering that our goal to be to thrive and to be abundant is to produce fruit year after year after year. And so that you can do some some shortcuts that will produce fruit in in a in this most current season, but that won't set you up for that long term. And that's where I think, like you said, I, I love that idea. I think it was Tony Robbins said that the quality of your life is in direct proportion to the quality of questions you ask yourself. And sometimes a coach or a book, something needs to ask you some questions to just kind of give you that little bit of a wake up call for where you are. Um, I, th I think it's really important to have that, um, have the idea of, what am I producing now? Is it something that is sustainable? Is it something that actually gets me to where I want to be in my life? Um, and we don't often slow down enough to ask ourselves those questions. Yeah. So what do you say to a guy who uh, sees that, you know, maybe I'm not on mission. He hears things about mission. He's like, yeah, mm -hmm. I, I kind of know, but I'm, I don't know what to do about it. And yet he's resistant to really looking, uh, looking in, in depth in himself. How do you address that? Maybe not even in the book because, you know, yeah. he's not picking up the book, but how do you address that with somebody else? Yeah. Well, I think one of the reasons why 
for me, and especially just this is my experience, and and I I don't want to overgeneralize and overgeneralize and be wrong with it, but this is what I've kind of found is usually it's career, sometimes it's mission are the entry points for guys in talking about these. It's usually one of those two because they will readily talk about whether or not they enjoy their career and find it fulfilling. And they love movies about missions. (laughs) So there's something in that, in both of those, like I can talk about it and I'll go watch, I'll go pay 15 bucks and go spend two and a half hours and watch someone else on a mission. There's a yearning there. There's something there in that. And so um, when I'm talking to somebody, usually those two entry points are are particularly helpful because that then allows an open door into the other areas of their life. Well, how's your career affecting your health? That's usually another great next step because it's measurable and what you measure, you treasure. You know, you can start to see some of these different things. Uh, so that's there's a way to do it that's that's very palatable. There, there that's you know, I, there's no one who wants to die and be forgotten five years later. Like, it, you know, the Bible tells us God put eternity in our hearts. It's there, like we're, the, but we often will be so busy or it'll seem kind of frou-frou. Like I talked about like identity before or faith. And if you immediately think faith is the, you know, American church, you're like, man, I'm done with them. Whatever, like well, however you want to do it, you can dismiss some of them. But some of them, I think for guys in particular, career and mission, really you can engage guys in that sooner than later even if you get them talking about well hey you know who do you know who loves their career or uh what are some of your favorite movies and you just get like you get into that and and that one degree removed allows you entrance into their mission their career and then the other areas of their lives it seems to me that the guys have uh perhaps trust issues and maybe everybody has trust issues, right? But I think guys perhaps have trust issues. And so we take on these, we take we take on the things that we can do ourselves. We take on a career because I have, you know, control over how I'm spending my time there and the things that I'm producing. And I see the return on the things that I produce. And mm-hmm. yet then when it comes to relationship, perhaps with this idea of, hey, my family's headed someplace, this is the mission that we're on and we're all mm-hmm. doing this together. That, that requires a degree of trust in in revealing that or working that through with someone else. And in my experience, a lot of folks begin in an imbalanced way and learning to work together with someone is not as easy as going to the office and doing, you know, Mm -hmm. doing the reports and clicking the buttons and making the stuff. It's simply not. And and I, and I feel like this idea of thriving, everybody wants, you know, every, I think every man really wants to look back and go, man, I've got a thriving cohort of people with me. Uh, and yet that seems maybe a bridge too far to cross for so many guys. Right. And that's why doing the book and doing the assessment at least makes these ideas more accessible for people because, okay, I can, I can approach this intellectually, right? So somebody gets in your face about something, you're going to get defensive. You're going to push back. A book is one degree removed and says, hey, this is, this is, you know, I'll just take this. I, and I almost put this in when I was looking at, at uh, formatting the book for publishing and everything else. We, t- we talked about putting in, in kind of like the sociological men's issues stuff. But I was like, well, this isn't real research. <laughs> it's really anecdotal. Right. <laughs> but like, 
it does speak to this, you know, if I want to learn more, but it, you can take it kind of the intellectual approach. And then the assessment is two degrees removed, where it's not even me saying something or one of my guests saying something. It's actually some software score thing. Maybe even that allows us to two two things. One is to accept the results uh, or at least engage with them. But the other thing that's really good about it is because, as I said before, what we measure is what we treasure. It's I tried to measure or be able to to point to particular things that are very, you know, intangible and, and very nebulous for us. And, and we, we don't even necessarily have terms for them to be able to come up with a score on faith and identity and even relationships so that they can say, hey, you know what? Well, now that I'm measuring it, I'd like to see some improvement. You know, I love a scorecard. You know, that's that's why I do so well at work because I get accolades and I know like I know what the target is. We talked about this before we start recording. Like I, I know what the target is. Therefore, I can start to put together that path to get to that point. Uh, and so I think that's that's why it's, it's at the same time very easy to neglect those other areas because they don't show up until later uh, in the form of our kids or in the form of our first, second or third wife or like whatever, whatever it is. Right. It's uh, the the returns on the and that fruit take longer. And so we find by chasing the immediate, we've we've actually shortchanged the the long term. Or if you've read The Infinite Game by Simon Sinek, the infinite game will teach you how to play life differently, which is really good. Yeah. I work with a lot of entrepreneurs and you know, this podcast video cast goes out to entrepreneurs, and so many of them are in a struggle of balancing, it seems. You know, that's the that's the typical word. And I don't know if that's even a possibility, but mm -hmm. uh, this idea of balancing their, their striving, you know, sometimes day and night to build their businesses yeah. and yes. also taking care of the people who are in, you know, in their care. And then they burn out uh, or epically sometimes. Uh, and I always counsel folks that, that, uh, you know, you, you can build and have to go about assertively building the life that you want to have, because you can get a business together that you did not want and creates a life that you do not want to have and mm -hmm. people around you don't want to live. Yeah. Thanks for building this boat and taking us on this cruise that we didn't want to go on. It's been really right. nice. Yeah. And it's not, to your point earlier, it's not necessarily like I have to check everything with everyone around me, but it, it does all, it should all crescendo. And there, um, Eric Erickson, who is a, an educational psychologist, uh, he came up with the eight stages of psychosocial, psychosocial development. Mm -hmm. And um, I only remember it because to your point earlier, stage one is trust versus mistrust. By age two, I have determined whether or not the world is a place I can trust or not trust. <laughs> Fast forward to age 65. And the last stage is integrity versus despair. And as I get near the end of my life, I either think, oh my gosh, integrity, which we mean a wholeness, a coming together, man, this is all, holy cow, this is coming together. Like this is, everything's coming together or despair. Like, oh crap, I missed it. Um, to which I would even say there, if you're still, if you're still cognizant enough to, to say that you've missed it, you can still hustle and figure some stuff out before, before yeah. you're done. But I, that's a huge fear for me is to get to the end and realize uh, I was just looking at this quote today by Thomas Burton, something along the lines of people spend their lives climbing the ladder of success only to find out that it was leaning against the wrong wall. And like, that's where I don't want to, that's where I don't want to be, but where I yeah. think a lot of people are because you see this with, 
you know, death rates after retirement and all this stuff. Like people have spent their whole lives really doing great in one or two areas and miss uh, the, the big ones, uh, that the ones that I think are longer lasting. I think it's hugely important. I was working with an entrepreneur not all that long ago, uh, and he was picking my brain about whether he should get funding for his business. Mm. And I said, well, if you're going to go get funding, there depends on how you go do that. Because I noticed on your profile picture, you've got a daughter on your shoulders. Is that true? And he's like, yeah, I actually have a handful of them. And there's another on the way. And I was like, okay, do you want to keep that picture? I said, because if you go this one direction, the hustle is going to be real. Mm -hmm. And you need to make sure that your wife and your kids understand what that means. Uh, because it might mean a life that you don't want to have. And and it really, it's sort of stopped him in his tracks. And I think your book would be great uh, for him to read. Stopped him in his tracks and like, okay, well, wait a second. Let me take inventory of where yes. I'm at currently. And why do I feel this need to hustle so hard? Mm -hmm. uh, and is that going to create something that that I might enjoy, but nobody's going to enjoy it with me? And ultimately, like you talk about, great. I climbed this ladder of success and nobody's on the ladder with me. That's right. And that's, I think so many people find themselves in those situations. And I, and I really just appreciate, go back to this idea of building your, building your roots. What are your roots driven into? Because everything that those roots consume is now food for the fruit that come right. out under that tree. And you talked about the roots being faith and identity. Mm -hmm. Um, in our final moments here, what unpack this idea of faith and identity. If those are, if those are really maybe the, 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 where we gather the food for this journey and, uh, and then maybe tie that into mission, but talk to us a bit about faith and identity. Yeah. And I tried to, I'm a, a group of Christian continue to be, uh, I tried for, you know, whatever audience to try to, I tried like eight different ways to get rid of faith and I, I couldn't do it because I just think it's so core to, are who we are as, as people. And so, as I said, like, I don't, it doesn't need to be like, I go to church every Sunday or like, you know, whatever this is, it doesn't have to be necessarily, uh, you know, my picture of, of who God is. But I think for each of us, there is this, this idea that faith exists is that you're, you're not alone. And that there's something, there's something bigger than you. And it could be the universe, like whoever, whatever it is. But I think, I think of that as kind of the taproot. And so as deep as your taproot is, is as strong as your tree is. And so I think whatever, whatever your, um, as we've spoken about before, your insistence to it's just you and you're on your own, that's going to end up a lot like a tumbleweed. You know, that's, it's, you're going to get blown around because stuff is going to happen. And then I think your faith can inform, informs your identity. So if I, if I think I'm, Part of, as Whitman said, I'm part of the, the powerful play and I want to contribute a verse, you know, but this something has come before me, something has is going to come after me. Um, and then I, if I can get my identity from something that is more literally firmly rooted um, than just what people think about me at the moment or what my mom told me about who I was when I was a kid or, or whatever, good or bad, right? Good or bad, because you can build some false senses of identity uh, you know, from getting puffed up and thinking that you're better than you are. Uh, but the identity part there from those things, then I think you really start to get, you know, that, that evidence from, from underground, from the unseen, you get then senses of calling and senses of purpose. And that's where I think is 
the idea of mission comes from. And so I think those are really integral parts um, as much as they're also very individualized. They don't have to be the same for everybody, but I think you have to have them. And so uh, if you want to write a book about uh, not having them and why that's dumb, <laughs> I welcome you. But I wrote, <laughs> I wrote, I wrote this book to at least put my, my line in the sand that these are, these are essential to who we are as humans. Well, I think thoughts, the other thoughts that people have, maybe they don't call it a faith, but even this idea of an, an abundance mindset. Yeah. Well, if, if, uh, if all of this is sort of random, anyhow, there's nothing, there's nothing necessarily to be drawn from. There yes. is no necessarily abundance. It's just random. Yeah. But we want to believe each of us, I think lives with this idea that we are, we want to be connected to something bigger, mm-hmm. you know, an avatar, the movie, yeah. the first, the first yeah. one that came out, right. Yep. Uh, therapists were actually talking about an avatar induced depression. That was, wow. it, it was actually, uh, they named it that back in back in the day because people were so depressed about how amazing that experience was versus our their own existence mm-hmm. and one of the core premises is that there is a a planet that everything is interconnected and every you know every thing you pull here pulls here and at some time when you just need it the entire you know all the animals and everything come to your rescue and uh, you know, from an from an idea of faith or identity, seeing ourselves as part of everyone else mm-hmm. is, uh, I think it's like you talk about, it's built into us mm-hmm. uh, and science can prove it. Absolutely. And we keep finding out more and more how interconnected we all are, in fact. And so even in our dreams, even in our wildest dreams, we want this thing. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's great that you built that on, you know, faith, identity, moving through mission. And then how do you produce that out in the world? How do you see that? Uh, and, you know, I think guys, if, if guys don't do it, who's going to, uh, cause I think it's in our nature, it's in our nature yeah. to build and to create, uh, and to go, go off and storm the, you know, storm the gates. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Damn the consequences. We're going to go do this thing, <laughs> which is so right. big. Yes. Right. And then, and then gather around with our people at the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah. We get, we can celebrate our wins as well as uh, kind of lick our wounds. <laughs> be like, right. all right, well, that did not work out. <laughs> it's like the guys in, in Monty Python and the Holy Grail. So like, uh, so after we put the wooden rabbit into the castle, what happens? Okay. Well, we'll leave. Uh, you, you and I will leave out. <laughs> oh, wait, no. All right. <laughs> So you you so you got to be around for the lat like the man I really put my foot in my mouth on that one or I really <laughs> laid an egg on that like that's I mean that's that's part of life and I think if if you only surround yourself with with people who see the highs then you're going to be really lonely when you when you get to the lows and it's not a it's not a weakness thing it's just man you bounce back a lot faster and and one thing I I I enjoy about uh, being in community I'm I'm a mastermind we meet every uh, Monday morning. Uh, and it's also very nice to have fertile soil for ideas and advice. And it's, you know, I'm, I'm surrounded by guys who actually want to get better. And so when I give them a suggestion, they'll actually do it. And that's not because my suggestions are so great. It's just, I think there's a lot of guys who have a ton of wisdom and, Nobody around them is really all that interested in in getting better. So I think, well, like why bother sharing all the all the resources that I have and and you know how I can help them. And so 
being in community can be a very selfless act as well. It's not just selfish, like, oh, I'm just doing this because I need help. And being community is, it is definitely an ecosystem of push and pull. And uh, a lot of guys have a ton to offer other people, but they don't get the idea that any around them, anyone around them is actually looking for it, but they are. They absolutely are. Yeah. And it's highly encouraging. I, I, uh, you know, echo the same that when you, when you put something out to somebody else who has that fertile soil, uh, it's, it's very encouraging because a lot of our wisdom is actually drawn from the worst of our experiences oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and we just long for them to be able to be made, uh, made new and, and mm-hmm. see something good grow from that. So, uh, what, what are you working on now and where, uh, and where can people find out more about this? Yeah. Awesome. Uh, working on, I, I took that entry point we talked about earlier, uh, about career, uh, and, uh, I'm actually working on the career factors, the book, um, right now, uh, and excited about telling the story of a, of a man who, um, doesn't enjoy his job and, and is wrestling with these ideas of, should I just suck it up? Like, isn't office space funny for a reason that's people like work just sucks and we don't, <laughs> who cares? Um, to actually stumbling upon something that I uncovered as a uh, as a school counselor uh, probably ten years ago, um, that is a a really pretty cool tool for finding engaging work in your current job. Um, and instead of thinking the grass is greener, I'm gonna have to to leave. Uh, and so uh, I'm a fan of assessments, so there'll be an assessment in there. Uh, but just a, a journey for people to say. Um, I'd love to, I'd love to love my job. And, uh, and this is, this is my take on it. So the career factors will come out in the next month or so, actually right on the heels of why aren't you thriving? Cause I do want to start on that, that entry point for guys and say, look, um, I could probably coach you on your career. And along the way, uh, we can start talking about some stuff that, that matters just as much. Uh, awesome. So that's going to be at thecareerfactors.com. And then all the resources for why aren't you thriving is at amithriving.com. There's a free the free assessment. You can take it without buying the book. There's a bunch of in- information there about all the podcast interviews, all that stuff's laid out. Uh, just really love resourcing people so uh, they can find my contact information there as well and stuff I'm working on. Awesome, man. I appreciate what you're doing there. Uh, and it, it sounds like such a great resource uh, for particularly for our time where so many people have, have a lot of time on their hands to think about where they're headed. And, uh, and yet we are so disconnected from one another. It seems mm-hmm. that we have to first, I think perhaps take, take, take some serious inventory ourselves and then inventory the people around us and then get connected. So am I thriving.com uh, check out Sam's book. Why aren't you thriving a man's guide to asking tough questions and getting better in seven core areas. Sam, thanks so much for being on what works today. It's great uh, hanging out with you, Jason. uh, And I love finding out what works from your other guests as well. So I appreciate it. All right. Thanks for joining us. If you know a person working to change the world who would be a great guest on the What Works podcast, contact me, Jason at therealjtodd.com. You're listening to What Works with Jason Todd. Learn more at therealjtodd.com.